got Bad Moon on the left. Welcome, everyone, to the Rebel Madman radio program here on Republic Broadcasting Network on the 27th day of January in the year of 2024. And, folks, we've got uh, a barn burner for you tonight. I hope you're prepared for this. And let me uh, start off by saying let's get some homework taken care of here. Folks, uh, we need your support at RBN in any way that you can possibly help to keep free speech alive to where we can bring to you on a regular basis the truth that you're going to hear tonight. Because you're not going to get this many other places, I promise you. And so for that reason, I hope that you will support RBN. And by the way, uh, we have a uh, special uh, promotion for the month. And for anyone who uh, donates $250 or more, you will be placed into a pool and then a choice will be made and the winner will receive a beautiful handcrafted quilt with the uh, cross of uh, St. Andrew on it. Now, some people call that the Confederate battle flag, but uh, too bad. Uh, That's not what I do. But anyway, let's uh, get into this. And tonight, uh, thanks to my uh, co-host, Stephen Douglas Whitener, and all of the work that he's done to put this thing together. And we have with us tonight, folks, some true American heroes. These people have endured the unthinkable and survived. And they're there Because they did survive, regardless of what this government tried to do to them. And we're going to really jump into that. But before we uh, jump really into the deep water, let me uh, bring in my co-host, Stephen Douglas Whitener. And uh, Stephen, thank you so much for putting this uh, thing together, buddy. Well, thanks very much for joining me, Mike. And thank you, Mr. Phil Turney, who's one of our guests, uh, 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 the president of the USS Liberty uh, Veterans or, or Survivors Association. I'm not sure of the exact name. I'll probably butcher it, but I'm very honored that these men are joining us. I've been trying to stand up for the truth about them uh, ever since I've been doing this little radio thing. And some folks want to spin and twist things a different way and try to say this was mistaken identity or some kind of accident. And we say, <laughs> bull. Okay, you know, we're going to stand here for the truth, going to tell the truth. We, you know, these Judases with their money trees just really irk me, and I'm very glad to be here. This is an honor, sir. Thank you for joining us, sir. Oh, uh, my pleasure indeed. And uh, Mr. Phil, how are you, sir? Phil Turney, can you hear us, sir? Well, we seem to have I a don't problem. Think, I don't think he hears us. Man, I saw, I, <laughs> I saw I see you there. <clears throat> oh, well, of course. Well, uh, I'm me, one, I'll try to text him. See, see if we can figure out how we can bring him in because uh, it's vital that we have his information. But uh, I'll give the folks a little background here. And uh, this is really a special day for me because on the day that these men, these brave men, endured the unthinkable. 
I happened to be at an NSA facility, and it was called an FLR-9 facility. And we monitored, and that was with the No Such Agency, uh, which was uh, very uh, much an integral part of the USS Liberty. It was, in fact, an NSA uh, ship, a spy ship. And, uh, of course, there were people in the crew that were just there to make sure that the ship uh, did what it was supposed to do. And then there was the uh, uh, intelligence collecting uh, branch of that. And so I sat and listened on that day, and my heart broke as I was listening to what was happening. And that is why, you know, when when the day comes that I can sit with these brave men and talk about what they endured, it is just absolutely I, – I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Stephen, help me out here, buddy. Well, yeah. Look, it, it's it's an honor, sir. I, I, can you hear us now, Mr. Turney? I, I thought I thought. Oh, you you can see. Can you hear us? Can you respond to us? I, I see him there, but dang, that's the weirdest yeah. thing. That's I see him uh, yeah. as well. Oh, I thought I saw you. I saw him. Okay. <laughs> this to get right here. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, somehow we're having some kind of technical issue where he can't hear what we're saying. Apparently. Well, it and looks respond. that way because I see him. I can, because I can there, see him, yeah. man! Wow. But well, let's it, okay, out what so we there were two. Okay, yeah. Listen, maybe maybe we should uh, try to hang up and call back again with that number or something. Yeah. Can you? Can, or, or or can you uh, speak? Yeah, I see you waving at us. Can you? Can you? Can you hear us, sir? That's not Phil. That's me, Ron Kukal. Oh, Ron! Oh, Ron. Oh, Phil's oh, not Ron. here, Ron. I'm sorry. I thought we 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 miss we we misidentified you there, sir. Ron. Okay, most, Ron's with us, and perhaps apologies. Phil is not here. Yeah, go ahead from there. Yeah, most, instead of Phil, of we have Ron. Uh, uh, Ron, if I'm not mistaken, are you not uh, uh, what is called, uh, or you know, the uh, are you not the chaplain for the group, sir? I am, sir. Well, I tell you what, uh, the work that you have done, uh, you know, should stand as a monument to liberty and freedom in this country. And I certainly appreciate everything you've done, sir. And I can't even imagine uh, what's that old phrase, the hell that you've gone through. And I wouldn't even pretend to associate myself with that kind of uh, event. But uh, one of the things, and Ron and I talked on the phone um, I mean, I'm sorry, Phil and I talked on the phone uh, for uh, some time and uh, the other evening, and uh, I told him about being at an FLR-9 facility, and we sat and listened to the entire thing, and it was just like, you know, you it was that feeling you wanted to be there, you wanted to help, you wanted to do something, and as we sat there and watched what this government did to you guys, it broke my heart. So uh, could you tell us, please, sir, just give us a brief description of, and one of the things I've often wondered about, how long and how much time were you guys actually monitored by Israeli aircraft? May I do something before we start? Please do, sir. Please may do. I bring up, may I bring this into prayer before we start this program? Please, Please do, sir. Thank you. 
Almighty God, again, we stand before you, loving you, knowing who you are, and knowing what you did for us on June 8th, 1967. We are again together, me and Phil, on RBN, again, thanking you, because we know we're only here because of you. And the miracles that were performed that day were uncountable. And we all stood right in the middle of it. Please be with us as we do this program. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. And now I see we have, uh, uh, you know, Phil with us uh, as well. And uh, so, uh, Phil, um, perhaps, you know, you gentlemen could kind of fill me in because this was the thing I wondered about. Because sitting at a at an elephant cage, an FLR-9 facility for NSA, we had Hebrew uh, linguists with us. We had Russian linguists linguists we had almost anything you can think of several dialects of uh, you know the uh, middle eastern language we had them with us as well and uh, one of the things that we noticed and what we were trying to figure out is how the uss liberty came under surveillance uh for some time uh Phil, could you tell us, uh, do you remember how long you were actually under surveillance by this these Israeli aircraft? Uh, yes, sir. We were under surveillance uh, June the 7th, actually, uh, or probably even way before. Uh, who, who knows? Only our government knows. But we saw the recon aircraft uh Circling our ship, a flying boxcar, and several other aircraft uh, getting very, very low to our ship, taking pictures. We were waving at them, and everything was fine. So, yeah, they knew exactly who we were many, many hours before we got there, perhaps weeks. They knew where we were headed. But we can go into that deeper. But as far as uh, the intelligence apparatus, now, I was in ship's company. Now, Ron was... Uh, uh, in charge of body recovery, body recovery and identification after we got into Malta. And he was uh, in the torpedo spaces when the torpedo hit. By the grace of God, he's worth it with us today. And, Ron, I, I think probably you could address that a little bit better than I can. Well, I've always wanted to do the program with you, Phil, which we've done many years ago, because you were topside. You saw a lot more than I did being down below two decks down below. And um, I have always felt that uh, I couldn't do this very well because I can't give any um, description of what happened topside, only you. And what happened down on the torpedo, uh, where the compartments were torpedoed in the on the starboard side and the forward uh, part of the ship, um, I could sit here and tell you a lot of miracles that happened and talk about the spiritual side of this. But I, I would like to see if Phil, if, if, if you guys don't mind, I'd like Phil to please, Phil, start with what happened topside and then let me flow in with you about what happened after the torpedo was fired at us when we were hit, what happened to me just before it hit. I would appreciate it if you would help me walk into that. And I know you can do it. Absolutely. If that's okay with you guys, I'll go hey, ahead. Please, please do. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. He, uh, early in the morning, as we said, we saw a lot of recon aircraft and things like that. And uh, they were clearly marked as the Star of David on the flying boxcars and their, their other aircraft. Uh, I think one of them was even a Cessna, maybe 182-206 or something like that. But uh, taking pictures and pictures and pictures. This has been verified. They know exactly who we were before they attacked us by our markings, uh, GTR-5 on the uh, stern and also on the bow, USS Liberty. So, uh, and as Admiral Moore said once, he says, you know, or probably more than once, just several times, the USS Liberty was the most easy identifiable ship, uh, identifying ship in uh Jay's fighting book and it could never be construed any other than we were a spy ship in America but anyway like I said we were 12.5 miles off the coast of uh, the Sinai Peninsula we could see the bombs bursting on the uh, on the shore black smoke rising up and we were thinking, well, we sure are glad that the Israelis are on our side because they came by in a very friendly attitude. They dipped their wings in appreciation. We waved at them. They waved back. We thought we were safe as, safe as a baby. Come to find out it was all a ruse. Uh, about few, a few minutes after two, they attacked us with uh, 12 jet aircraft, uh, Mirage and Mystere jets. They softened us, up, softened us up for the kill with 25 minutes of bombardment, bombardment with uh, rockets, cannons, and machine guns. They also dropped napalm on the bridge of the ship Trying to burn us all up. It was uh, it was a moment. I thought, well, why isn't the the Navy here to help us? I, I I thought to myself, there must be bigger things on the horizon than us. We're probably in a world war right now. That was my own thoughts. Little did I know we were going to be betrayed by the United States government, set up to be murdered by LBJ and the hitmen being the IDF, Israel. That's a whole other story. So this went on for 25 minutes plus, and then the torpedo boats came up. And we could see the Star of David, and we think, oh, thank God, here comes our our saviors are going to help us. That's the only time we could identify who was doing this to us was by their flags. If they wouldn't fly flown them, we'd have never known. Only Johnson and his hitmen in uh, D.C. and and Israel knew who was what was going on. So finally, we got a message out. Uh, Terry Halbardier, which by the way, by the way, he received a silver star for his. Distinguished duty. Without him, we'd have never got a message out. Uh, we wouldn't be talking to you right now. Amen. So, 
that went on and for another hour and a half you are torpedoed machine gunning us we only had three life rafts left on the whole ship for a crew of 294 we only had three left so the captain says prepare to abandon ship we dropped over what three the three life rafts we had and the torpedo gunmen gunmen were so ruthless they shot two of the life rafts out of the water and took one aboard their boat as a trophy of their kill the only thing that saved us was Israel thought there was help on the way there were helicopters circling our ship with uh, Marines and uh, Israeli Marines ready to board our ship and scuttle it. But all of a sudden they took off because they knew the gig was up and help was on the way. But what they really didn't know, help was recalled. We never did receive help by air when it was only 40 minutes away. They were recalled by LBJ and McNamara and John McCain, the daddy of Senator McCain, was deeply and deeply involved in the cover-up. So, that's pretty much that. And, Ron, you can go ahead after, uh, you know, what happened with the torpedo when it hit you guys. By the way, Ron, tell them uh, your rank aboard the Liberty and and, uh, your duty station. You don't have to tell them anything secret. Just, uh, you know. Well... First of all, before we start, Phil, if you you don't mind, and I've said this many times before, because I have a real problem with the names that we've been called over the years. Mm. We've been called anti-Semitic, we've been called this, we've been called that, to shut us up. And I ask you this, those that are listening, about three-fourths of the ship's crew were communications technicians, and I do not fault people like Phil, who didn't carry that top-secret clearance, but I want to explain something to the people here. In order to get that top-secret clearance, you could not, I repeat, could not belong to any type of a racist organization. And they went back into your your family history as much as two and three generations. How could anybody think for a moment— that we would all get together and lie about what happened that day. How could they possibly think so? You know what it took to get that top-secret clearance? And I'm not trying to uh, uh, pat myself on the back at all, because it happened with everybody. You had to be checked back in your family history. They had to look way back as far as two and three generations to see what kind of people, uh, what type of family you had and who you were. So when that clearance was issued to us, it wasn't issued just to the ordinary person because our backgrounds had been checked. And for anybody to possibly think for a moment that we'd all get together and band together and start hating a race of people. Now, when the captain come over the intercom and said, prepare for a torpedo attack, my upbringing brought me into the spiritual realm almost immediately of what was happening to us. And I said to myself before I walked over to my equipment to start to pray to save for my life, I said to myself, 
how could this be happening to this? This only happens in the movies. But it was. It was real. It was going to happen. What they didn't really know when they attacked us, that we had a protection there like no one's ever had in our life. God's protection was with us that day. No matter what they threw at us, they couldn't put us to the bottom. So I talked a lot about miracles. Some of them I never saw myself. So I'm going to describe explicitly what happened to me. When the captain said over the ship's intercom, prepare for torpedo attack, I went immediately to my equipment to prayer, asking for my life, asking for my life to be saved. When I got done with my prayer, the torpedoes, I think, were pretty much on their way, all five of them, and only one was going to hit us on the starboard side. I walked back to my desk, and I was getting ready to sit down, and I heard this voice, and I don't know if anybody else heard it, and it said, get down and get down now. Well, I was slow. I couldn't get the job done. I knew I couldn't get down there by myself. Uh, I was in so much shock. Well, when it was all said and done, the torpedo exploded prematurely. It hit an I-beam and it exploded prematurely. That's why you'll only see a hole on the starboard side of the ship. The idea of a torpedo is to go into the center of the ship, blow up, and split the ship in two. But it didn't happen. You know why? Because God was with us. God was with me that day when we were told to get down and get down now because I didn't move fast enough, and he put me there. I had my nose to the steel deck about three seconds or so before the torpedo exploded. How did I get there? I was put there. I didn't do it myself. Two or three men survived it in that compartment. Um, that's all. I can't remember how many men was in the compartment. The rest died. But I'd like this whole country to know, this world to know, that they had everything they needed in, in this world to put that ship to the bottom, and they couldn't do it. And it's because of God's protection. It's hard for me to go through this, but uh, I did tell Phil, and Phil knows it as well as I do, that I'm only here because God has allowed it. Uh, when When the explosion occurred, I was flat on the deck. I didn't put myself there. God did. And I could hear the shrapnel flying through the air after the explosion, killing everybody in that compartment but us, but me and two other guys, I think it was. And the miracles went on and on and on all day long. When I was in charge of the body recovery, men came down and stood beside me. Ernie Gallo was one of them that stood beside me. He said, Ron, how can you do this? I can't stand the smell down here. And Phil can expound a little bit more on the smell and what he had to do to get away from that smell. Let me tell you, folks. I stood down there, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pound my chest or nothing. I stood there because of the power of God, and I never smelled a thing, nothing. So Phil knows why, and Phil knows that smell was terrible. That's another miracle. God allowed me to be in charge of that body recovery. And my trauma doctor, after I got out of the service, when I went to the VA hospital in Sheridan, um, in Hot Springs, South Dakota, 
I talked to her about it. She said, Ron, don't try to recall what you saw, the 25 men in pieces. Don't try to call, recall because your brain will not record that kind of horror. So, Phil, would you kind of add on a little bit to what you experienced as far as the horrifying smell that was there? I will, but let's go ahead and give uh, Mike a chance to break in and say what he wants to say. And, yeah, we'll get into that, Ron. Sure. Oh, guys, thank you so much. And uh, I certainly uh, understand, uh, Ron, exactly what you're talking about because my clearance level at NSA was top secret crypto. And I understand exactly and I can relate exactly to how far back the U.S. government went into my heritage, into my the people, my uh, my father, my grandfather went back. They talked to, believe it or not, I actually had second and third grade teachers contact me because they had been visited by uh, Defense Intelligence Agency uh, operatives in securing that clearance for me. So you are exactly right, sir, when you say that for anyone to have the unmitigated gall to say that a group of people who had gone through that would conspire to turn on their own government is absolutely ridiculous. And it It is. I get cold chills when I think that someone would have the unmitigated gall to even say that. Amen. It's it's it is such a shock to me. And you know, you you gentlemen again, uh I stand in awe of you guys. I had a combat tour in Vietnam. But I did not at any time, even though I saw some things I don't even want to remember. I can't even imagine what you gentlemen saw. I can't. It's beyond my comprehension. But the thing I do know is this, is that I remember sitting in our room full of uh, equipment uh, of which we monitored, broadcast, you know, and, uh, you know, Phil and I talked about this uh, last night, I believe it was, or maybe it was the night before. But we talked about the fact of, you know, how these things came about, how they happened. And I'll never forget sitting in that room and one of our Hebrew linguists said, what are they doing? They know it's an American ship. They said so. So that one sticks in my head. And then now in today's world, gentlemen, for us to encounter the people who weren't who were nine years old when that happened to absolutely come out and say, you gentlemen are lying. Nothing could bother me more than that. Absolutely nothing. And that to me has always been I realized When I was told two days later by our uh, NSA supervisor, gentlemen and ladies, what you heard two days ago never happened. And don't you ever repeat it. Now, I want to get into on the other side of the break here. I want to get into if you gentlemen would please enlighten our people about the briefing you went through afterwards. We'll be back on the other side, folks. 
Thank you. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high quality pasture-raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now I'm not talking about the bottom of the barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork raised the way nature intended. I'm a tired stern in the brothel life Too much crap drive the world insane 
Everybody singing the jailhouse blues Don't believe a word of the evening news Truth stood for years down the drain Oh my goodness, folks. Welcome back to the uh, Republic Broadcasting Network and the rebel madman and the truth that has stood for years is down the drain. Well, I tell you what, truth is the mortal enemy of our government. Because if the people ever knew the actual truth, well, I take that back. Most of them are so enthralled in sports and other things, and they are having all of their senses tickled by emotion that they really care nothing about the truth. But uh, that's uh, beside the point uh, at this point. Uh, I mean, it's a valid point. But, uh, Stephen, do you have anything to add before we get back to these two distinguished gentlemen? I just want to let RBN, uh, please support RBN uh, so that you guys can uh, hear the free speech and the truth like this often. Y'all just keep RBN on there. I'm glad, proud to be here, be able to honor these men. I want to let them tell the story. The way they saw it is horrifying what they went through. And I'll just add that my dad told me about this when I was quite young. He was one of Merrill's marauders uh, in World War II, and there are a lot of parallels between the the, the there's those two units you know those those unit military units uh stories in a lot of ways he, he felt uh akin with them well uh steven i don't want to infringe on our uh, gentleman our host here i don't want to infringe upon them but after uh working with the national security agency i went to work for the american foundation for accountability of prisoners of war and missing in action and i'll be honest with you knowing what happened to these gentlemen from the Liberty, knowing what happened to the gentlemen from the Pueblo, and knowing what happened to our brave members of the military who found themselves in the hands of their enemy. Let me tell you something. This is just what this country has done to those people who go out and sign a contract saying, I will support this country with my very life. When you dishonor that, you are deserving of no respect whatsoever. And uh, Phil, if you would, I know you and I talked about this, and uh, when you feel it's appropriate, I would like to really jump into that debriefing you fellows received. And was it at Malta that this happened? No, it was out out at sea. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, uh, do you feel comfortable with delving into that right now? Sure. Uh, okay, yeah, please no, do, sir. No problem. Well, uh, Admiral Isaac Kidd and Ward Boston, uh, Boston, he was the uh, JAG uh, company, uh, uh, Isaac Kidd, uh, Admiral. And uh, they boarded our ship uh, about a Maybe two days after we got hit. Maybe a day. I I can't remember. I could pinpoint it. You know, it's it's on our site. But he came aboard the ship and was talking to everybody that he could. Uh, of course, the most seriously wounded and, and people that couldn't perform their duties were taken off before he got there. So it was, it was kind of a skeleton type crew if, if, if I can say that 
but uh, I was in a group of people. Now, the, the, the rest of the guys, uh, I was not interviewed in a, in a big setting. It was just four or five of us. Actually, it was four. Excuse me. And uh, it was in sick bay. We went in there with high expectations. Very high. He came in, introduced himself, he stood at attention, he said, guys, relax. When I ask you some questions, I'm just like your dad. He took off his stars, and he's a flag admiral. His dad was, I believe, killed aboard the Arizona. He took his stars off and threw them on the stainless steel table and it rang like a bell. And he went down the line and, and got interviews from all of us. And I just happened to be the last. And I told him what I saw. I saw the unmarked jet aircraft. I saw the reconnaissance uh, aircraft. And I saw the torpedo boat flags. And I testified to that. I testified to the machine gunning of the life rafts. None of that was put into the official record. He put his stars back on and he got beat ready, looked me in the eyes and he says, I'm going to tell you something, sailor. There's something to that effect. If you ever repeat what you just told me to anybody, I'll make sure you end up prison or worse and everybody knows what that meant we'd already gone through hell on earth thanks to Jesus Christ for saving our ship he held it up when that torpedo hit believe me Amen. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that he just held it up and said hey screw you guys so after that he left and I was pissed off I was kicking the door and hitting it and Anyway, it just, the disrespect we got for serving our country, like we were the bad guys. Our only sin was we lived. You know, we lived, and they, they're still pissed off we're alive. That's a fact. Can I intervene just to let intervene for something? Sure. Please do. President Coolidge, when he was appointed vice president back in, I believe it was 1929, said this. That nation that forgets its defenders will itself be forgotten. Is it not happening? Do you not see it happening? No Amen. one. It's going to stop. I don't care if you're president, vice president of this country. You're not going to stop man who saved the liberty on June 8th, 1967. You will not stop him ever. You should listen to me. I stood in the middle 
And I'm not, I'm a very ordinary man. I don't want to be wished, I don't wish to be anything more than that. I stood in the middle of all those miracles. I saw them happen. You will not stop the direction God is going to take us if we can't start being Americans again. And we have stood for a lot of years for your family and our family and for this nation. And we have proven our love for this nation by doing so for 56 plus years. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, sir. And as uh, Phil and I talked, I truly believe, and we'll go into the particulars of that, because I'm sure that most of the people listening in tonight have no clue about this. But I truly believe that the good Lord kept you guys afloat and kept the remnant of your crew, you gentlemen, alive to keep this world from going into a complete nuclear war. Amen. And that was that was about to happen and had you had your ship been sunk or sank whichever the proper word is and you gentlemen have all been killed. Then the plan was according to Operation Cyanide the plan was to then blame the entire fiasco on Egypt. And while you gentlemen were under attack, the USS Saratoga had actually launched a ship with a nuclear device which was going to drop it on Cairo in retaliation for the sinking of the USS Liberty. Most people are totally unaware of that, but uh, it that was in fact true. But when the word came back, that they were unable with that torpedo to put you guys down and with the helicopter, which was coming to come with the Israeli uh, Marines to uh, make sure no one survived. When that didn't work, that aircraft was called back with that nuclear device. And as Phil and I were talking about it, I totally believe that had that uh, aircraft actually nuked Cairo, I believe that Russia would have retaliated against us, and this world would have been in one, uh, pardon the old phrase, mel of a hiss. So, uh, go ahead, look where, gentlemen. Look where we're at right now. Look where we're yes. at right now. Uh, exactly. Uh, this is uh, this is a rerun of 1967 of the mm-hmm. land grab they didn't get then because we didn't sink. Exactly. In the same <laughs> the same remedies they they have is to fight. Look look at the uh Red Sea, uh look at Yemen, look at everything that's going on. It's all related back to Israel and our support for them. Are we gonna are we gonna send our young men and women into battle to die for Israel? Again. Are, we gonna, are we gonna send our young men in battle? To go to the border and stop that. That there, our country is being invaded. I'm afraid, gentlemen, we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a bad thing going on here. Uh, I, I pray to God it doesn't have injuring many many Americans. I know I got off topic, but it it always, it always goes back to one country and a country that's beholden to one one master. 
Well, I've told people, gentlemen, over and over and over again over the past 20 years, is that Americans have at their disposal a permanent lie detector test. And that lie detector is anytime anyone is called an anti-Semite, they're telling the truth. Hmm. It's been that so, way since 1917. Yes, uh, exactly true. And the fact that, uh, you know, that all of these things happened, and they happened for a reason, they happened for a purpose, and somehow we survived, but... This uh, deal on the border, and I could go into a lot of detail of that on that, but I don't want to take a second away from you guys because this show is about you. It's about the liberty, and uh, I want you guys to and your fellow sailors who survived that. And uh, Ron, if I remember, I got a uh, an email from you back uh, maybe six months ago or so, and we were talking about doing a program. And if I remember your last email, you told me that uh, Liberty survivors were dropping like flies. Uh, would you address that, please, sir? How many of you gentlemen are actually still left? It's an extremely good question because I really don't have the answer for it. But uh, at the time, I was seeing death after death of the heroes that served there board the ship, the survivors, I was seeing them dying, and it affected me that way, that, you know, we're, we're just dropping off really fast. Two a month, two a month. Okay, thank you, Phil. I might also say right here and now that there are heroes out there. There's also what I call a hero's hero, and I want to tell you right here and now that Phil Turney is one of them. He was everywhere on that ship that day, everywhere. And you may have been, Phil, the guy that pulled me out of the hole down there that was full of water through the hatch. It might have been you through the scuttle hole. I'm not sure. Whoever it was, it was very strong arms, and I came straight up out of there because I had to get out. The water was rising. Uh, I didn't think I was going to make it. The hatch was open for us guys, and somebody with a whole lot of strength Pulled me out. So, Phil, you were everywhere. You put out fires. You did everything. Of course, this is all you know as well as I do, and we've been talking about it for years, that we are only an instrument of God. What we did, we didn't do under our own volition. It was not us who did it. It was the power of God. It was the hand of God. And for those people who would think for a moment I kept asking myself, all my learning I'd had in church and in Sunday school, I kept saying to myself, how is it possible? How is it even remotely possible that these people can't put that ship to the bottom? They had everything they needed. Well, you know why. Because God said it was not going to happen. He ordained it. He said, you're not going to do it. We went all the way to, uh, uh, after the attack, we, we sailed all the way to Malta. That's almost a thousand miles, with the possibility, uh, the possibility of sinking all the way, and we didn't. People, it's the power of God. Do not, do not turn against Him. We're going in the wrong direction. I, I don't want to get off on the wrong side. I'm looking up above my. There's pictures of my family. 
they're gone, except for one. My daughter turned around and left me without a word. My oldest son left me without a word. Uh, my two youngest sons are still there, but they don't understand, like a lot of people do, what really happened to us guys. And I remember my one son, who I love dearly, told me, Dad, why can't you just forget this? <laughs> and it's hard for me to tell someone, how can I forget what was done to us? How is it even possible? And, you know, for people that have never... My son's a good boy, but he never understood it. So I can get carried away here too far, but I want people to know how many families have been lost, how many children have walked out on their own parents because they thought, walked out on me, I'm just going to say me, walked out on me because I told the truth. Well... Uh, I have nothing but admiration for you, sir, uh, for your stance for truth, because once we give up that truth, we're lost. Amen. If we do not stand for truth, we have no chance whatsoever. One of the things I would like for you gentlemen to answer, if you're willing, for the group, uh, the people who are listening, uh, and let's start with you, Phil. What are your thoughts on your Captain McGonagall? Uh, actually, uh, I have mixed emotions about, uh, Captain McGonagall and, uh, 99% of them are very, very positive. Captain McGonagall was a very fair man. Uh, I got in trouble one time. I fell asleep in my car and I was about 30 minutes late. And so the, uh, they, you know, in the, in the military, you better be on time or you get in trouble. So I was supposed to go see the XO, and now the XO says, no, I want you to see the captain. I just told the captain exactly what happened. I said, listen, I just made third class. Please don't bust me. And uh, he dismissed the case right then and, and left. That's the type of guy he was. And uh, out of sea, we were always drilling. We were doing more drilling than I've ever done. And I've been on to see two two ships before that. And, uh, I mean, we drilled, drilled, drilled all the time, which is good. And I loved it because I was a firefighter. Went to a lot of firefighting schools. But uh, thanks to the Navy for paying for that, you know, uh, I appreciate that. But uh, it gave me a lot, lot of knowledge. And uh, during the attack, he was... Uh, Heroic, very heroic. Uh, I saw him on the bridge when I was up on the bridge. His knee was all scraped. His right knee was hit with a, I guess, a, a piece of shrapnel or a rocket shell. I don't. I, I was only up there uh, very long, and uh, then came the uh, the aftermath. The interrogations and everything like that, and what Captain McGonagall went through. I can only imagine the pressure they put on him for the pressure they put on me. So, the old man did his duty. He got us home through the grace of God. And, uh, I think politics got in the way in a few ways, but uh, 
I, I really, really can't say anything bad about him except that we kind of wish he would have came out a little earlier than he did, but uh, he deserves a Medal of Honor, and I respect him. All right, uh, Ron, your thoughts, sir, if I may? In the captain's case, I didn't know him very well aboard ship. I think some of the people in engineering probably knew him a lot better than I did. But what I observed myself and what I've known of him, he ran a tight ship. We went to general quarters just before the attack. And... Um, we did a lot of general GQ stuff, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, he was straight down the line. He had a lot of pressure put on him, probably before and after the attack, but he was one great officer. I couldn't say anything bad about him, and I know he's on a, just under a lot of pressure. I, I really I can't say any more than that. I might add well, thank one thing. Go ahead, sir. One thing? Please do. Yes. The one piece of salvation for me over the years has been the church that is really preaching the truth. That would be Liberty Fellowship out of Kalispell, Montana. Pastor Chuck Baldwin, who ran for president years back, is a pastor of that church, and he speaks the truth every Sunday at 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, Mount Standard Time. And he stood up for us. He's had us there. He's let us testify. He knows the truth, and he preaches the truth. That's about all I got to say right now. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, one of the things, and I would like, uh, and I guess I've got your response to that, Ron, but I would like to ask Phil. I remember later on at uh, NSA, uh, the people who knew the truth, and of course we were told, like you gentlemen were, that uh, two days after the, uh, after we had witnessed what we witnessed and heard what we heard, and listened to what you know, everything that had happened that day, and we were told unequivocally, uh, if you uh, ever repeat anything that happened two days ago, it didn't happen, and if you repeat anything about it. Uh, your careers are over. But at that time, I had some colleagues at NSA make the statement that uh, Captain McGonagall uh, sold his silence for a Congressional Medal of Honor. And that's why I was happy to hear you say, Phil, that he earned it. That meant a lot to me to hear you say that. And you guys were there. You know what happened. So, that always troubled me, that his silence was bought with a Congressional Medal of Honor. That always troubled me. And thank you, Phil, for your uh, comments there that he actually earned it. I appreciate that, sir. Yeah, well, well, thank you, Mike. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, you know, hey, listen, uh, yeah, he, he earned it. And, you know, he shared it. He says, this medal I have. Is only because of you guys. And so. That, that go ahead. Meant something. That I'm meant sorry. Something. And, uh, yeah, he got pressured. And uh, 
Okay, uh, I'll, I'll just tell it the way it is, the way I feel. And what I know. Captain McGonagall got a brand new AOE, oiler, uh, uh, ship, uh, and also ammo ship. Uh, they used to be uh, just AEs, then they got an AOE, so they'd handle both, ammo and oil. Anyway, you got a brand new ship, you got a promotion to Congress. Yeah, you got the Medal of Honor, that was a bonus, but uh, he earned the bonus. But uh, he did keep his mouth shut uh, about certain things he should have talked about. And listen, let's just be honest. I'm a human being, and Ron is too. What kind of pressure you can, can you be put under? Like, I mean, uh, just what they told me and told the rest of the crew. They told Ron to shut the heck up and everybody that, Boy, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one, Michael. What do you do? We'll be right back. some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. This is RBN. 